This is Main Thing Radio with Pastor Robert Fountain of Calvary Chapel, Miami Beach. Join us as Pastor Robert teaches verse by verse through the book of Acts. the race God set before them. And they had a choice to run it willingly or reluctantly, just like you and I. Sometimes hardship is, is just part of the package. Sometimes we need it. None of us wants to see our young children falling down and bloodying up their knees and, you know, those kinds of things. But you could carry them around until they're 12, 13 years old, I guess. Protect them from all of the scuffed knees and bloody noses and things like that. But the muscles would atrophy. When you put them down, they wouldn't be able to walk. What's the race God has set before you? We can be sure it won't always be easy, but God uses the difficult times to grow us and draw us closer to Himself, as we'll hear from Pastor Robert today. Continue to seek God through His Word, gaining wisdom from the Spirit, and you'll know without a doubt He's running with you. Stick around after today's message from Pastor Robert. I have quite a bit of information that I'd like to share with you our web address, podcast subscription information, and our contact information. Now here's Pastor Robert in the book of Acts chapter 21 with today's message. God never contradicts himself. He never contradicts himself. If God has given you, if he's told you, this is what I want you to do, this is where I want you to go, then you need to go and do that until he tells you differently. And he won't do that through somebody else. Do you understand? So often I'll, I'll hear people, they've got a word from the Lord, and it's completely inconsistent with the scriptures. God does not contradict himself. He won't do it. You need to obey what he's told you to do. You need to just stick with it. If he's spoken something to you, whether it's from the word or you just know that this is what he's given you to do, then do it. Paul said, I have a race to run. My race, the one God has given me, I have to do it. Maybe you can't understand how there could be hardship and, and a dear friend of Elizabeth's uh, back in Denmark was diagnosed with cancer a number of years ago. It's actually been, what, 10, 12 years? 13 years. And her mentor, her, her mother in the faith, so to speak, and she prayed and, and wrestled with it and prayed over it and, and felt like the Lord gave her clear direction that she was not to fight that too, too hard. Yeah, there's some, some treatments that will make the, the journey easier, but she felt like the Lord said, I'm going to use this to bring you home. Don't you'll be don't fight me on it. Now imagine the reaction she got from the name it and claim it folks, you know, in the faith movement. No, you got to stand against that in the name of Jesus. I'm healed. And she said, "No. That's not what the Lord's told me. I I have to run my race. And sometimes it involves hardship." When I was a young man, 
you know, I didn't know the Lord and, and I was spending all my time partying and, and doing drugs and drinking and, you know, so forth. And my, uh, my family owned a business and God took it away from us. And I'm sure my dad, he's a godly man. I'm, he wrestled with it. What are you doing? Why is my business crashing? None of us could understand it. Ten years later, after I'd accepted the Lord and looking back at it and kind of wrestling with some of these issues, and, and the Lord showed me just as clearly that God made my dad, my mother and father, walk through a real hard valley for my sake. For my sake. I had way too much money to play with. I had way too much freedom. I was on a very destructive course. And I needed to be rescued. And so my mom and dad had to endure some really hard things for my benefit. That was the race God set before them. And they had a choice to run it willingly or reluctantly, just like you and I. Sometimes hardship is is just part of the package. Sometimes we need it. None of us wants to see our young children falling down and bloodying up their knees and, you know, those kinds of things. But you could carry them around until they're 12, 13 years old, I guess. Protect them from all of the scuffed knees and bloody noses and things like that. But the muscles would atrophy. When you put them down, they wouldn't be able to walk. And there's a principle there for us. Listen to me. You and I are going to suffer. That's just a fact. We're going to suffer. You and I are going to die. Just a fact. That's just the way it is. We need to come to grips with that. You know what? One of the things that's kind of cool about this passage is there's no evidence of what, you know, Paul said anything. They urged Paul in the spirit not to go to Jerusalem. What did Paul do? He went to Jerusalem. He appreciated the love and the concern. But he had a race to run, and none of these things moved him. The third thing that I want you to notice, verse 10, says a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Now, Agabus doesn't merely tell him what's going to happen. He puts on a, a whole drama skit, right? He gets out the belt, and he ties everything up, and he paints the big picture. It's going to get ugly at Jerusalem. And the brothers now at Caesarea make the same mistake that the brothers at Tyre made. They assume if God's saying it's going to be bad, that means you shouldn't go. But they take it one step further. They're weeping and they're begging and pleading. And they got the four teenage girls involved. And we got Philip and we got Luke and the whole entourage pleading with them not to go to Jerusalem, begging him, please, Paul, we love you, don't do this. Verse 13, Paul answered, what are you trying to do to me? What's all this weeping? He says, and what he literally says in the Greek, he says, you're crushing my heart. Don't you understand? I'm ready to suffer. I'm ready to die. For the name of the Lord Jesus. See, what Paul says to him is, is you need to understand, I've got this settled in here. Life is suffering. Not entirely, no, but it involves suffering. We're all going to suffer. I'm ready to suffer. I'm ready to suffer. 
I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. My life is God's to spend, Paul says. I'm ready to die. What I'm not ready for is the grief you're giving me. That's what he says. He says, you're crushing me. What I need you to be doing, see the implication here, Paul's saying to the church, what I need you to be doing, I need you to be saying to me, Paul, we don't like this, but we know it's your race. We know this is your ministry. We see that this God has shown you this is what you have to do. And so we want to stand with you. We commit to you today that we're going to be on our knees. We're going to be fasting and praying. We're going to be going to war in the heavenlies on your behalf while you're at Jerusalem. We're going to, we're, we're not going to physically be with you, not all of us, but we're going to be with you. We're going to, we're going to be fighting the fight in prayer. We're with you, Paul. We're going to support you. Paul says, I don't need you begging me not to go. This is my race. None of these things move me. I'm ready to suffer. I'm ready to die. I'm his to spend. I have to go. I have to go. Again, I want to take you back to 1 Kings. Because in chapter 18, there's another hero that I want you to look at with me. In chapter 18 of 1 Kings, in verse 21, we're in the middle of the story where Elijah has come onto the scene. He's confronted King Ahab with his unbelievable wickedness in the worship of Baals and the different idols, the Baal gods, the demonic entities. And he has told him it's not going to rain for three years. It doesn't rain for three years. And then God sends him back and he says to Ahab, all right, you know, the the drought's over. It's going to start raining. Here's what I want you to do. I need you. I want you to gather all Israel together at Mount Carmel. I want you to Call out the 450 prophets of Baal that eat with with your wife Jezebel at the queen's table. I want you to gather everybody together at Mount Carmel, and we're going to settle this. And so they he gathers everybody together. And the first thing that Elijah does, and if you can just if you can picture it, thousands of at this point idolatrous Israelites gathered there on this mountainside, on this hillside. Uh, it's not a huge mountain. It's it's a it's a hillside. It's one of the one of the places that you you know tour groups always visit because they're so sure about where it happened. And he's got all of these thousands of Israelites. He's got this the most wicked king in the history of Israel. The king himself is there. Four hundred and fifty wicked prophets. They're all there. There's much more to discover from the depths of God's Word. But sadly, that's all we have time for today on Main Thing Radio. In the meantime, Pastor Robert is here to share how you can access additional messages. I'm so glad you joined us today, and I'd like to invite you to subscribe to our podcast so that you never miss an edition of Main Thing Radio. Visit MainThingRadio.com and click on Podcast to link to our iTunes account or to download one of the many compatible mobile apps we have listed online. Never miss another edition and a chance to learn more from God's Word. Thanks, Pastor Robert. Before we end our time with you today, we'd like to ask you to consider partnering with us here at Main Thing Radio. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting the ministry we have in this virtual mission field? Any amount is appreciated, and for donations of $20 or more, we have a special thank you gift to send you. 
This month's gift is Standing in Grace by David Guzik. Pastor David reminds us in this book that we're not only covered by grace when we accept Jesus as our Savior, but we also stand and live in all that grace has to give us. For more information or to contribute, please visit MainThingRadio.com and click on Donate at the top of the page. That's all for today, but join us again for another look at God's Word right here on Main Thing Radio.